if you have your copy of God's Word, please open it to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This morning we'll be looking at one verse, that's verse 15. Last week as we looked at the command to admonish, encourage, help, and to be patient, Paul's continuing this rapid succession of commands as this letter comes to a close. So in verse 15, we'll take a look at another command that he gives. Follow with me as I read. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we recognize that this is one of, these pa- one of those passages that's very easy to read, but very hard to apply. So we ask you this morning to work within our hearts. Make us receptive to your word. Lord, guide us that we would show Jesus to the world around us. Grant this, we pray in your most holy name. Amen. You know, there's a lot of things that we have to teach children. But one thing you don't have to teach anyone whether they are young or old, is about seeking revenge. There seems to be a natural inclination to seek payback when someone wrongs us or to hold a grudge against someone. These feelings that come very naturally for us are often magnified when the culture around us is encouraging us to seek vengeance. Quite frankly, we often tend to admire those who say, I don't take nothing from nobody and hold them up in high esteem. We even tend at times to glorify acts of vengeance, whether it be in movies or songs. I'm always a little nervous whenever I use a song for an illustration because I'm afraid that that song's going to be in your mind through the message, if not the remainder of the day, and you'll be thinking of it more than what I said, especially when it's a country song for some reason. But at the beginning of her career, one of Carrie Underwood's biggest hits was the song entitled, Before He Cheats. After her boyfriend or husband had cheated on her, I don't know, she sings in the chorus, I dug my key into the side of his pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive. Carved my name into his leather seats. I took a Louisville slugger to both headlights. I slashed a hole in all four tires. Maybe next time he'll think before he cheats. Jesus calls us to a different route. The command in this passage is is very clear. When we are wronged, don't repay evil for evil, don't seek revenge. Now, this is not about seeking justice. Justice and revenge are two different things. God is a God of justice. Justice is about restoring that which is wronged to that which is right. And providing justice, according to Romans 13, is a God-given role of the government. Now, we may debate how well the government does that, but there's no denying that one of the reasons for the government's existence is to provide justice. The issue here is revenge. 
Revenge can be defined as the action of inflicting hurt or harm on someone for an injury or wrong suffered at their hands. Payback. Getting them back for what they've done. And as I said, it's clear in this verse we are commanded not to repay evil for evil. And this is true in both Testaments. In the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, the command is given, it's called the, in Latin the lex talionis, that we are to give an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, you hear that and you think, well, that sure sounds like payback, but it's really not. It's limiting what we do in seeking justice. In many ways, it's akin to what is written in our Constitution about cruel and unusual just judgment or justice, cruel and unusual punishment. You see, before that command, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, it was perfectly acceptable that if somebody offended you, you might kill them. If somebody scraped your chariot or dinged your car, you may burn down their house. And that law was given to say, no, no, no. Don't go overboard. As you seek justice, let the punishment fit the crime. But the Torah is not the only place that addresses the issue of justice. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 20, verse 22, God says clearly, Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and He will deliver you. That's the hard part, isn't it? We want that sense of satisfaction immediately. But God says, wait for me. He'll deliver Proverbs 24, 29 says, Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for what he has done. We're not to, to go there. We're not to say that. Proverbs 25, 21 through 22 says, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For he, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. In many ways, that last verse, 22, is saying, the way to get back at your enemy is by showing them extreme kindness. And notice there's a reward for that. The Lord will reward you when you don't seek vengeance. Now, Jesus took things up a notch. There's no doubt about that. Luke chapter 6, 27 through 31, and also in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. My mom used to teach me that verse by saying, anytime you loan anybody anything, do it with the attitude that you may never get it back, and that's okay. And do as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Now it's that turn the other cheek that gets our attention. Where Jesus says, if they smack you, be willing to suffer again. And that's difficult and hard. There were four little boys who attended church, and as church began, they were squiggling and squirming in their pews. But when the preacher started preaching, he was preaching on turning the other cheek, and that, that got their attention. They listened intently as the preacher explained that, they, that one should never try to get even, even. That afternoon, one of the boys went out to play, and he came back in crying. He came to his mom, and he said that, 
he had kicked one of his friends, and his friend had kicked him back in return. And she said, well, I'm so sorry that you're hurt, but you shouldn't go around kicking people. And the child, little boy said back to her, but the preacher said he wasn't supposed to kick back. That's not exactly what Jesus meant. His point was that in following him, we must be willing to suffer when we are wronged. You see, when we do that, when we don't repay evil for evil, we show that our trust is in God. Romans 12, 19 echoes what we read earlier from Proverbs. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. We don't have to repay. God will. God will set things right. And He is just, and He is all-knowing, and He is merciful. He knows the heart of that one who may have wronged us. He knows more than we do about the situation. You see, this is the key to loving our enemies and praying for them. Because believe me, if the wrongs are never righted, and they answer to God for that, that will be far more horrible than anything that we would ever do to get payback. You see, and when we don't repay evil for evil and we trust God, we show the world Jesus. It's that waiting part that's hard, as I said. And I think there's a fear that comes in when we hear the words of Jesus about turning the other cheek because we say, but won't we be taken advantage of? And we become fearful that people will walk all over us. But when we follow the Lord's commands, and when we are willing to, to suffer wrongs at the hands of others, we are following the example of Jesus, aren't we? Remember how Jesus was described in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7, that He was oppressed and afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In fact, Jesus went so far as to not just be silent, but to die for his enemies. Romans 5 says that God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, God died for us. For if, verse 10, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall be saved by his life Jesus trusted God he went so far as to even upon the cross looking at those who were crucifying him and what did he say father forgive them they don't know what they're doing so when we follow this command and we don't seek vengeance and we don't seek payback we are simply following the example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we are showing the world the gospel. Now, not seeking payback is the negative part of the verse at the beginning of verse 15. The positive part comes at the end. Rather than seeking payback, seek to do good to one another and to everyone. It's not just that we become passive and don't do anything. That many times can become almost a, a passive-aggressive approach. He says here, rather than just becoming passive... Seek to do good to them. Notice the scope of this. To one another, that's within the church because sometimes there are wrongs that are done within the church. But he doesn't stop there. Do good to everyone. 
After deep research into the Greek word for everyone, I found that it means everyone. Keep in mind that this church was a church that was being persecuted and suffering. Jews were persecuting them religiously because they were preaching Jesus as the Messiah. The Roman government was persecuting them because they had the audacity to preach that Jesus is Lord. Not Caesar, but Jesus. They may have had neighbors that possibly turned them into the authorities. They may have lost jobs, been treated poorly. And here, Paul is reminding them, if you have suffered at the hand of someone else, don't seek to repay evil, but do good. Part of the challenge in this verse is the fact that good is undefined. We aren't told what we need to do. Jesus spoke of doing good in terms of providing basic needs. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he needs water, give him, give him water, clothing, and shelter. The good that we do involves praying for them, not speaking ill of them, but praying for them, lifting them up to the Father and responding with grace. It is choosing redemption over revenge. And that's something we can only do by the power of the Holy Spirit. Dr. Bruce Thillman tells the true story of a man by the name of Al Masters. Al had a good life. He was married, had a small child, small business that was doing well. And he considered himself very blessed, but things changed, tragically changed one year before Christmas. His little boy was struck by a car and killed. The driver of that car was a 15-year-old boy who decided to take the car and go joyriding. Al Masters was filled with a desire for revenge. And even though the, the guy who did it was just 15 and he couldn't be brought under the full power of the law, Al wanted the very book to be thrown at him. A little over a year later on Christmas Eve, his wife got him to go to church. He sat there that night and he listened to the story of the Word becoming flesh and the Word coming to the Good Shepherds. And he recognized that he, Al Masters, was one of the world's ungood and he began to weep. When he left the church that night, he made a commitment. And the next day, Al Masters set out to find out more about the boy who killed his son. He found out that this boy came from a broken home. He lived with his mother who was an alcoholic. Al went the next step. He went and he met this teenager now. He gave him a job. And then later, Al Masters took the boy who killed his son into his home to take care of him. Now, the good that you and I are called to do may not be that radical. But it doesn't mean that we are not to seek it nonetheless. I don't know what that may look like in your situation. But God calls us to seek to do good. That means to actively pursue it. It means effort. It may not come easily. You may ask the Lord that He needs to guide your thinking and to guide your actions. But if we don't seek God and we begin to seek to repay evil for evil, we are only hurting ourselves. I'd like to conclude this message with a little bit from a classic, Herman Melville's Moby Dick. 
very few sermons will you hear that start with Carrie Underwood and end with Henry Mel Herman Melville. Moby Dick is a classic because it deals with human emotions that are real across every generation. The key of Moby Dick is vengeance. Captain Ahab has lost his leg to the white whale. And he smolders with anger, wanting to destroy this, this beast that took his leg. Ishmael, who is the narrator, says, I know that he was never very jolly, and I know that on the passage home he was a little out of his mind for a spell. I know, too, that ever since he lost his leg last voyage by that accursed well, he's been a kind of moody, desperate moody, and savage sometimes. Revenge will make us angry. Holding up a grudge will eat us up alive. Some have said that holding on to ang anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And that's true. Captain Ahab's anger grows into a fixation on revenge. And as his lust and desire for vengeance grows, so does his lack of wisdom. So that on the next well hunting trip, the driving force in his soul is to find that, that, that mammal and to kill the whale. Everything is secondary. After a time, they see the well, and it's within Ahab's grasp. For three days, they chase the animal, and the crew members begin to realize that Ahab's folly will mean their death. It won't be the well who dies. It will be them. Ahab's first mate, Starbuck, the only one who dares to question the captain, cries out, Oh, hey, Ahab, not too late, is it? Even now, the third day to desist. See, Moby Dick seeks you not. It is you, you that madly seek him. But it is too late. Ahab's desire for revenge grows deeper, ignoring every danger. And in the end, the ship is lost. All of the crew, save one, is killed. And Ahab loses both his life and his quest. The white whale has won. Seeking revenge and payback will never end well. Let's heed the admonition of the Lord and wait for him and trust him. I want to ask you, if you will, to bow your heads with me now. I know the Lord's going to guide us in how to apply this message. And I want you to know the altar is open even as I stand down here. If you want to come and to pray at the kneeling benches, the altar is open for you to do that. Father, you know our hearts this morning. You know, Father, the healing that we need. You know the hurts that we all have. And Father, I pray. For you to be at work within us. That we will be obedient to what Paul wrote. What you have said. That we would not seek to repay evil for evil. But that we would seek to do good to everyone. Grant this Father for the sake of your kingdom. Amen.